0: Welcome to Sex, Love and Liberation, with yours truly, Michelle Casey. One of the great loves of my life is the art of burlesque which has been a glamorous part of my career since my debut burlesque performance seven years ago. My guests today are two of my showgirl soulmates. I was very lucky to share the stage with them throughout 2022 as resident artists at Club Burlesque on Aotearoa's fabulous red light district of Akei Road. Our first guest is a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed babe who brings comedic camp magnificence to the (laughs) stage. That alliteration got me. She's an internationally award-winning burlesque performer, pin-up, and drag artist who has an incredible ability to fill a room with her Red Bull-infused joyful energy. <laughs> Please welcome to the airways D, aka Miss Kiki Kissing. Ah, uh,
1: Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely live off that. <laughs>
0: Our next guest is a gender bending chameleon of a powerhouse performer who is also celebrated as one of our country's most dazzling burlesque performers. She can go from just, oh, gracing us with the beauty uh, and pizzazz of her burlesque persona, Lily Loca, one minute. minute and has us cackling at her adorable drag character Gary <laughs> next minute. Sometimes in the same show. Please welcome to the airways, Nat Hugo, aka Lily Loka. kia ora. Kia ora. I would love to hear about the first time each of you stripped on stage.
1: Well, oh, the very very singular first time was. A dress rehearsal um, So I guess it w- was a, some sort of a stage, but it was amongst my peers. So as daunting as that was it um, Was quite empowering and being a dress rehearsal obviously was in costume and things and I had um, the teacher Mel Give us all pointers and feedback and stuff. But the first very first time Yeah, I guess there's there's three points. There's that, and then there's the first time I did a Hoochie Coochie show. But Hoochie Coochie has a... Lives in a realm where you don't wear anything less than you would wear on the beach. So... um, you know, as it is still burlesque, as it is still removing clothing, it isn't to the degree that we work professionally now with um, pasties and G-strings and or U-strings, depending on how risky you want to be. Um, so it was, but yeah, it was in Parnell at Juice Bar, I think eight, nine years ago. We had Mikey Havoc as the MC. <laughs> it was a great time. Um, and yeah, that first time getting off stage was the biggest high I've ever felt sober (laughs) so yeah it was definitely exhilarating and I was definitely hooked and then moving on from that was the first time professional I would say professionally performing burlesque where it was a little more risque um and it was in Melbourne actually so New Zealand at that time couldn't really offer me much more so I moved to Melbourne to pursue burlesque professionally or semi-professionally so, um, I hopped in a professional development course with Dolores Stackery. um, and then she was like, cool, let's put you on a stage and do your first official solo act, and I did, in this amazing venue in the middle of Melbourne City. It was kind of, it was a very speakeasy-esque venue. Um, my costume was not the greatest, <laughs> but you've got to start somewhere. I think I spent a whole of $100 on it, um. And you know, a secondhand bra with some sequins on it. But I did the damn thing, and um, it was very different from the first time. The first time I was surrounded by friends and people who I'd grown a rapport with um, within the kind of class, and you know, everyone at the show was either a friend or a friend of a friend that that first time. But the second time, being in Melbourne in a new city, um, and doing professional development where you are in a class one on one. So you don't have that rapport with students and you don't know anyone in the city and you had like two friends in the crowd it was very different um but still had that same exhilarating high. wow i never actually
0: knew that you were in melbourne that was quite a treat for me as your friend <laughs> and can you describe for those who don't yet know what a u-string is
1: <laughs> <laughs> so a g-string is a, a thing with you know a piece of underwear where it covers your crotch and then also has strings that go around your hips. Whereas a U string is a kind of it's a hard formed U shape that sits within your curvature without the strings being on the side of your body. If that makes, it kind of yep. sits it sits up in your in your butt and in your yep. crotch. <laughs> and you, you sometimes you, you can get soft ones which you glue mm. down. Um, you can spirit gum to your pelvic bone and to the top of your butt crack. Um, but you can get hard uh, shaped ones that kind of naturally sit there, like a headband for yeah your butt crack. crack. Yeah, yeah I think a, of that's a really good way of putting mm. it. because yeah, it is that same material. Mm. Yeah, a headband covered in material rhinestones. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Beautiful. And how about you, Lily?
2: Um. So, um, I the when I first started striptease, I had no idea really what burlesque was. It was one of those things that I saw on Star Now. God. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Um, don't judge me. (laughs) Takes me back. (laughs) Um. So, for context, prior to that, um, I've always been heavily involved in the performing arts and was. Um, had just finished university and um, was heavily involved in theatre and doing lots of theatre but um, I was kind of at this transition point where I felt like I had to leave the arts behind and get a muggle job and, you know, become a sensible human being. That didn't work out, but um, in that interim, I knew that I couldn't completely commit to theatre anymore because it was you know three rehearsals a week, and then you have two, um, two week or three week, uh, production seasons, and it was just too much to commit to. So I wanted to have something that I could work on and be my own di- director, and um, but wasn't as uh, didn't have such a commitment. Um, and yeah, I just kind of came across it in the way that it was, it was kind of almost like how you had it with Dolores. It was Miss La Vida who mm-hmm. sort of, sort of really re-pioneered the sort of neo-burlesque revival in, in New Zealand. Um, and she was doing a burlesque course and you did the six weeks of the burlesque course and at the end of it, then you'd perform and the stage, it was the classic, the mm-hmm. classic comedy bar, which is the perfect kind of little setting for that. Although... The dressing room is up a uh, flight of stairs which is almost like a ladder um but yeah so I came up with a Spanish señorita act and um I had like a Spanish costume and so it was very quintessential like going back to what I sort of my brand because um, I felt like I had to look like this particular like alter ego um and that very much diminished over the, the course of time because now I think of myself more as a chameleon and don't just assign to a particular look. But my quintessential classic signature look was like this Betty Page wig. My colours were red and black. Um, I had like a black sort of silk top on and then a, a, a actual, um, it was a, it was a, a chorus skirt, um, but it was styled in the way of like a um, flamenco skirt and had suspenders and everything else. And um, yeah, I just... I I did the strip tease. It was really cool. I just I felt really I had no idea what I was doing. Um we all. <laughs> And it wasn't really clicking with me because and I uh, kind of went through this metamorphosis later because I was like as coming from a theatrical background, I was like, well, there's got to be some narrative. There's got to be something. there and uh the way that I was sort of taught was about the actual very classic strip tease itself so it's more about the engagement with the audience and the taking off of the clothes and the teas rather than adding any external theatrical elements into it so um but I sort of did it my own little way by sort of bringing out personality rather than and it was quite cheesecakey, I guess in a way but um but yeah I don't actually remember much I remember Andre King was um was him seeing it and he said, oh, you a senorita or a senora? And I was like, a senorita, ay! <laughs> um, and the reason why I went with that was because when we were thinking about our names, uh, Miss La Vida was saying, like, you know, you wanna, you don't want to choose a name that you're going to like come to regret. Um, you want something that resounds inside of you and that you're going to still love years on. And so with my name, with the loca, I'm part Spanish, and I felt that really fiery like, uh, essence of my culture, um, I really wanted to show that as part of what I do, so, um, so yeah, so that's why I did that, Mm. yeah, and then in 2018, 19, I developed another matador act, which was an homage to that very first, it looked very different, actually had the same kind of wig, but it was (laughs) an homage to that very first little lily, Wow, I'm struck by how
0: different uh, your paths into burlesque was from mine. So I was reflecting on the first time that I stripped on a stage, which I believe was in Chris Ulrich's production, "It Lux. Mm. And it wasn't part of a burlesque act at all. So I was playing... I was playing... So this show was very sacrilegious, um... And I was, like, a lesbian who had this, like, gorgeous lesbian lover played by fellow burlesque artist um, Pandora Cherie. Mm. And we were, like, pulled away from one another um, by our families. This real Romeo and Juliet kind of, um, you know, narrative. And then I do this pole dance um, to this uh, Gregorian chant music that was very, like sucked the energy out of the room and was very especially at the time this must have been eight years ago um like wow no one had really seen people performing pole in like a theater kind of environment in New Zealand and the community and then Chris had asked me do you want to like how would you feel about stripping um and showing your bare breasts at the end of it and I would have been maybe in my early 20s at the time and that was such a stretch for me (laughs) And I remember, like, it was such an incredible moment of liberation, of, like, wow, I'm just really flying in the face of everything that I had been taught, um, you know, around, like, being a good girl, being reserved. And I'll never, never forget that moment of just taking off my red sparkly bra. The empowerment. Mm. 100%. Yeah. But it also makes me – what I've really learned from both of you is – what burlesque actually is so for years where i've been calling myself a burlesque artist i have unconsciously not entirely known um what the art of burlesque is and anything about its history and i've had such great conversations with each of you about the history of burlesque and so what i've learned is burlesque is commonly misunderstood and so what would you say is and isn't
1: burlesque burlesque to me is the art of striptease and it is parody so the word burlesque it's an italian word i actually looked this up (laughs) (laughs) it's a italian it's comes from it's derived from an italian word which essentially means parody or i think if you look on google they use a different word but burlesco burlesco means to mock to mock there you go yeah so yeah burlesque for me is the the meeting of the two of both parody and um striptease so you know striptease can be as simple as removing a glove it doesn't necessarily mean going down to pasties and g-strings but that is where the art form lies for a lot of us um and then you know parody is the parody of life and certain things about life that you know You think about classic burlesque, you think about the glamour, like, that's a parody. No one walks down the street wearing that many rhinestones and that many feathers and, you know, it's a parody of glamour.
2: When I used to teach burlesque, I would do like a whole History 101 component Mm -hmm. um, because I felt it was really important that people understood how burlesque has transformed throughout the years. Because what it was 2,000 years ago is not how it's generally interpreted today. Although it can still be, but there's a lot more elements and stuff that come out of it. So either I can say what I think it is or what a yeah. part of the history is.
1: Yeah, I guess it's two separate conversations. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it definitely is. Like what burlesque is today is not what it was in 1860 when yeah. burlesque was first kind of popularised you know, and then it changed again in the 1920s, it changed mm. again in the 1940s, and then mm. it changed again in the 1990s, When uh, early 2000s, when Dita fontese came around, and then now again it's changed again, mm. you know, it's a lot more inclusive than it ever used mm. to be. Um, you know, burlesque was traditionally females, whereas boylesque was introduced in the 90s, so it's really, boylesque is very new, you know, um, boylesque, for anyone that doesn't know, is Boys doing burlesque.
0: (laughs) I wonder, Lily, if you were to give us a brief history of perhaps the beginnings of burlesque. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious about where it first um, birthed, like at the grassroots stage, knowing that since then it's evolved um, and had
2: many iterations. Burlesque has been around since before Christ. Um, which a lot of people are like what? <laughs> um, so the as Kiki said before the Italian word for burlesque is burlesque which means to mock and we think burlesque is we have just because of how it's evolved and especially because of sort of Victorian going into American style burlesque where the striptease really became the most predominant element right. rather than the satire or whatever um, before then, there was no striptease mm. in burlesque. Mm. Burlesque was purely a form of, The best way to think of it is almost like a, a, a element of theatre. A theatrical component or method, yeah. I suppose. So, a great example um, that the one that I usually use and because I'm a classical studies major, it's one of my favourites, is... Um, so, there's a... Aristophanes, who does a great play called The Assembly Woman. And... The reason there's it's political satire it's also making satire about gender because back in uh sort of greece's rome uh greece's golden era um women weren't allowed to perform on the stage so you'd have drag where men would be dressed up as women which continued right through in western culture until the 1800s um and then uh you would have so basically in this story of try and make it as brief as possible um the men are all at the senate women weren't allowed had no political power they weren't allowed to vote none of that um all the men are in the senate and there's this woman called Praxagora and she's rallied up some women who are fed up with the government and they're like you know what we're the real people who run the country and the town we do all the housework we take care of the kids we do all the finances and stuff and these guys think that they can rule it better why don't we dress and drag, as men, go into the Senate and tell them that they should let the woman in charge and try and con them into it? So that's exactly what they did. And the men were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they unveiled themselves once it was passed. And they're like, ha ha, suckers. So basically the women take over the Senate and put all these rules in place. And to make it sound ludicrous, um, like Aristophanes made them do these ridiculous rules, like for everybody everybody, no matter what they looked like, had um, all the, this is his terminology, not mine, all the ugly people had to be slept with first before you could sleep with a beautiful person so that everybody got slept with, you know, like, and so all these really ludicrous things, and so the reason why that is burlesque is because you have, um, you have the fact that it's absolutely ludicrous, women wouldn't be allowed to go into the Senate Wouldn- women would never have a potion parliament and women would never be able to take it over because that's just not ever going to happen and then to save his ass he made some really like ludicrous claims to be like this is meant to be a parody this is completely fanciful also to protect him from the senate being like do you hate us um and also the other thing that was uh satire um and a mockery was the fact that the men who were dressed. As woman then had to dress as men Mm -hmm. so like there was all this gender blending and playing and things like that going on so that is what burlesque originally was it's satire it wasn't until you're looking at the British blondes in the 1800s who basically were the pioneers of realizing that sex sells so they would perform Shakespeare but they would gender bend they would become Women dressing as men instead of obviously men dressing as women, they would show their ankles and Scandalo. yeah, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my numbers are correct, but they were they toured and they went to New York and sold out their season. They sold over 300, they got made over 300,000 mm-hmm. dollars in the 1800s, yes, and then obviously with American um, burlesque and the. 20s after you know the war and the 40s again when vaudeville died, and um, yeah, it's just basically it's forever, it's forever changing. And now, like, obviously, we've got like pole, which is a, a newer element as part of mm. what you call neo burlesque,
1: um, aerials, aerials. yeah, um, all that kind of cir- the circ- more circus elements coming into burlesque. Like, yeah, you've got gore, you've got all these subgenres within burlesque, you've got Classic burlesque, neo burlesque, gothlesque, nerdlesque, yeah. boylesque—you know—you've got all of these. Yeah, subgenres under the umbrella term of burlesque.
2: But mm. I think one of the quintessential things to take away is to remember that burlesque, in terms of its striptease element, has been pioneered by women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's and the and the and the parody is already lying there in terms of like you don't even need to have any narrative or any have any have. Um, any have Um, have any like really loud parody and be like this is what I'm trying to say just being a woman or standing in your power and owning the stage is enough of a like statement Mm -hmm. to be like I am woman this is me take it or leave it Um, and you know burlesque is the mother of striptease and that's something that I really push people to become comfortable with It's up to them if they choose not to. But um, in my classes, I'm like, you need to understand that burlesque is the mother of modern-day striptease. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. We had grindhouses. Grindhouses were what burlesque clubs and what then became modern strip clubs were because you ground for your money. Mm -hmm. Like, to try and differentiate the two and say that, you know, because in, in... in uh, society, or sometimes even within burlesque itself, especially with newbies, um, they'll be like, oh, I'm not a stripper, like, I don't, you know, like, this, like, whole, like, oh no, I do burlesque, I'm not a stripper, and I'm like, no, 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 if you come into, you need to understand the roots and the history, this is why it's so important, because if you don't embrace this part, and I'm not saying call yourself a stripper, you don't have to, there's plenty of burlesque burlesque artists that don't, Um, but you need to understand that this is a part of our sisterhood. And to look down oh, on true. yeah, yeah. On, on
1: our sisters is fucking ridiculous. I'm sure you've probably battled similar within the pole community. Yeah, yeah, it's a
0: big thing where, especially in the early years of the pole community, there was the not a stripper movement, like hashtag not a yeah. stripper yeah. movement. Um, and that has... Largely been eradicated um, from the community via education and really great conversations. And here in New Zealand, uh, I would say, having been in the pole dancing industry for well over a decade now. We have um, a really pro-stripper and, um, like, sex work ally kind oh, of it. culture. Because yeah. um, it's just, you know, so many pole dancers are strippers, so many strippers are pole dancers, that it, it does yeah. feel like an extension um, mm. of one in the same community. So what I'm understanding, as you're educating us with this history of <laughs> burlesque, and it's complicated, so if I think of the viewer am I right in, I mean the listener, am I right in understanding the burlesque can be defined by having like two key elements. There's like the element of parody and then over time there's like the element of striptease that has also kind of come into that definition but if we look at the beginnings of the word burlesque um, that came from this history that you've just laid out for us, Nat, um, and then there's that milestone in history where the British Blondes brought Mm -hmm. their theatrical productions that involved striptease. From what I've read, um, they didn't even show skin, right? They just Mm. wore skin-coloured tights and it was just the outline of their legs that Mm -hmm. was so risque at, at the time yeah. when people were <laughs> scandalized <laughs> and that that was like oh okay like now burlesque is going is evolving into another thing have I understood that
2: correctly yeah. Yeah. if yeah. I oversimplify <laughs> <it very laughs> no, but then like yeah and I think another huge change came about in the sort of 1940s which was when the American style of burlesque really took yeah, it took off, yeah. took um, off and you're, no, you're thinking of the Lily St. the Gypsy Temp- Rose Lees the Storm. Tempest Storm etc, yeah. all of those burlesque legends yeah. who and you've got to remember like Lily Sincere, like she went to court multiple times um, because of lurid public acts and like we're thinking uh they would have police officers standing in the shows, and if they did more than three gyrations or like three little hip thrusts, mm-hmm. then they'd get arrested. Mm-hmm. And um like the licenses for the venues and stuff could be pulled away. um And one of my favorite, favorite quotes from Lily Sincere when she was being interrogated uh, was a police officer was like, You were naked on stage, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, I wasn't naked. I was covered by a blue spotlight, like, and so, like, she really gave, like, tongue-in-cheek, but these women, like, we... They paved up. They paved, and they went through, like, if you have a look at a lot of the legends, it's really sad, a lot of these legends have, have, like, especially especially Lucent she ended up just a hermit, and, like, completely, like, withdrawn from the world, and Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, burlesque legends don't really have a penny to go off, or, like, um... Yeah, uh, not really in the best financial states. And it's really beautiful because the Burlesque Hall of Fame in America mm. has, like, funds and stuff set up to help support wow. our legions, which is so cool. And they really highlight them. They're, yeah. Their work, the work the the that they do. dedicated to them. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And they really respect and honour what these women, like Dixie Evans, yeah. who was the creator of the Burlesque Hall, and it all started with, like, a little pageant um, mm. that she ran out at her ranch, <laughs> you know, like... Um, yeah, these are the pioneers. And again, it's really reiterating the fact that these women mm-hmm. in those times who were meant to be the nice doting housewife who had no real say and, you know, had to keep quiet if things were, you know, uh, they yeah, went, nah, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we have so much to thank them for.
0: Oh, preach. What I love about that is, I you know, there's this idea out there that, Central movement striptease burlesque pole dance exists for the male gaze, mm. and this is something i'm so passionate about rewriting because i'm i'm such a you know if i think of my body of work as an artist at the core of it is me wanting to communicate to the audience like hey female sexuality feminine sexuality exists inherently in the body of its owner right it's not something that was created by the patriarchy or men it's just something that was ultimately consumed by the male gaze under patriarchy and was like capitalized off and what i love about the way you're sharing of this history is like wow these women that created this from their own empowerment i think of the context of that time if i Think of, you know, Mm -hmm. what I've even had in my experience being a woman living in the Western world in, you know, the 2000s (laughs) onwards, well, born in 1991. Um, (laughs) And I think of just the challenges that I've had having a brand that's like outwardly sexual and I compare those challenges, whilst I don't want to invalidate them, Mm. to what it must have been like for these women in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. Incredible. Really inspiring. Yeah,
1: like going on a stage and bearing it all. Essentially, is what they were doing. It, regardless of what the police would tell them, what other people around them would tell them. Like it is very, yeah. And so inspiring. many of them were ostracized mm.
2: from their families. Yeah, yeah you know. Of it. Mm. Um, and they had to pay for that with you know. But that's the choice that they made, and they stood in their power. And we mm. have so much to be thankful for. And I think you know. That's where the sort of there's a bit of politics I guess in terms of when men come into burlesque because it is such a female driven thing. The way that I like to compare it is like say with uh drag, for mm-hmm. example, right? Drag has a history in both very prominently within the queer community or the rainbow community, but it also is featured in theater of opera and everything like that so it has its both sides but again it's about understanding the history of where that comes from and so if you're a uh, if if you enter the drag scene and you just be like oh it's just you know I'm being a clown putting some makeup on um yeah cool but you're also invalidating and not really tapping into that amazing history that lies before and making your mark on it I guess and with men entering burlesque they need to know about our history so that they're most welcome and you know if you do your homework and you realize what who drove this the sacrifices that these women made to do what to, to allow for us to do what we do today Um, you know we've moved forward a lot in terms of inclusivity and diversity and stuff which is amazing but it's also just making sure that when male folks do come into burlesque,
1: that they know, yeah, I guess the history think, behind it. I think regardless of gender, it it's nice for anyone who wants to do burlesque or moving towards burlesque to have an education and mm. understand the history, like oh for sure the amount the amount yeah and just going back to like about the comment with the difference between you know we're not strippers or whatever you know we are and the amount of comments I get being like how do you describe burlesque it's like stripping but not raunchy or it's not as gross right and I'm like no it is stripping like you know and I think as long as everyone understands the history of it yeah, I think yeah, it could be beneficial for everyone. Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, and I agree with that. Um,
2: but I think also where this diversity, like where this understanding of what burlesque lies, it's not like I think the burlesque community and people who perform burlesque kind of like how you were saying in the co- pole community, we've kind of moved away from this like stripper versus us mentality, yeah. and we're yeah, and we're much in a much more progressive and understanding place thanks to history and education and everything like that and mindset changes but there's also an element with uh with audiences yeah. right because in their minds they there's still very much a like a lot of people are progressive and they don't think like this but I'm being very generalized here um people will be like oh I'll go and see a ballet show because that seems like proper and that's okay I'm not going to a strip club it's not like there's strippers and there's still very much yeah, a based stigma, stigma. Mm, yeah. based on their interpretation of what they believe burlesque is and how much better or whatever or you know it is than going to a strip club. Yeah. Whilst both of the environments are different. You go there for different reasons, but none are worse or better than the other. They mm. just are what they are. And that's uh, and you know, I've I've got that sometimes a lot of the times from audience members who will be like you know, they think it's okay to go to a burlesque show because it's a little bit raunchy and it's like socially acceptable, whilst if they told their friends that they were going to a strip club, that they might get more judgment. And that's really sad um, to, to know that, you know, there's a lot of progressive people out there who don't think that, but there is definitely, and I still get comments from audience members who you have banter with about, you know, almost them trying to justify why they're coming to see you, um, mm-hmm. and, like, almost, like, trying to, yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, my my observation is that a lot of this stems from uh, the wider culture mm. the, and sexual shame. Yeah. And so I understand for, you know, I understand whilst I also want better for all of us, and I don't think this is where we, I, this isn't where I want us to land, but what I see burlesque as is a more accessible way to connect with one's sexuality and desires of like voyeurism um, when they're battling their own internalized Mm. sexual shame. And so I see one of the antidotes as let's unshame sexuality as a collective. And I believe that that's ultimately what will then create a a safer um, work environment for Mm. um, strippers
1: working in clubs as well. Yeah. I definitely notice, you know, on the other side of that, the audience members that do come as well, they come to the shows because they love to see women empowered. And a lot of people think, Burlesque, oh, you're doing it for, the again, the male gaze. Whereas, realistically, the ratio of women to men coming to our shows is Mm 70-30. Like, 70%, 70 60-70% women come because they love seeing other women empowered. Empowered women empower women. Totally. So yeah it's definitely very it's definitely for more for the female gaze um and female empowerment for sure but yeah
0: on that kiki how would you say your journey of burlesque has changed your relationship with yourself or as an extension your
1: relationship with life <laughs> burlesque started for me as like a, a creative outlet um and I started, how old am I now? <laughs> I'm just trying to figure it out. <laughs> I started Burlesque when I was, um, oh God, uh, 20, I think early 20s, let's just say early 20s, roundabout, um, you know, in, in your 20s you're trying to find yourself and you're trying to find your direction in life and things and I didn't have the greatest uh, relationship with my body. Um, so I started Burlesque for a better relationship with my body um, and re- And, honestly, a better relationship with other females as well. Like, I felt like I was a very guys' girl. Like, um, I never had a lot of female friends, and I have now found a lot more female friends through Burlesque and through the Burlesque community, because I find, us, you know, similar thinking patterns and stuff around sexuality and empowerment and stuff. But, yeah, Burlesque, for me, has definitely changed my opinion about my body. Um, It has, you know, like this is the thing burlesque is for everyone, regardless of your shape, age, weight, race, anything. Like, it is very inclusive, and that's what I love about it. Um, you know, it's creatively fueled me. Um, burlesque, not, not a lot of people understand that burlesque is 100% self-directed. Um, so everything from your costuming to your choreography to your music to your concept, literally everything that you see a burlesque performer put on stage within reason of course but (laughs) most of the time um that you put that you see a burlesque performer put on stage is a hundred percent them and a hundred percent their idea and you know everything about that act or is a facet of that 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 performer's personality you know it's something that they wanted to create and share with the world like it is a it is an art form, you know, um, and I don't think a lot of people understand that, but, you know, s- specifically solo burlesque performers. Yeah, it is an art form, and it's been such a great therapy for me over the years. Like, you know, I'm more known for my <laughs> cheesecakey, campy stuff, <laughs> for sure. But I have created acts over the years that have touched on more serious notes. Like I have an act where it talks about date rape. Mm. Um, Specifically getting, uh, this is probably getting a little deep here, um, but specifically about getting um, too drunk and not being able to control um, the the men around you and and what they do. And I have an act specifically about that. you know so that was a great therapy tool for me you know something that I created four years ago mm,
0: oh I'm so moved by your answer and you know I was reminded how my own relationship to to performance art is each piece that I make it's some form of alchemy for me I always am taking something highly personal that's usually challenging for me into the piece and most often the audience won't interpret what it is that I've actually, like, sewn into. Um, they don't the get things. all the
1: gags all the time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, they, it, yeah. well, they won't get the depth, The right? depth, yeah. So yeah. I
0: recently <laughs> made my, my shibari act, and so, um, you know, people watching it would have been like, okay, Michelle's got these two men tied to her wrists um, that are, like you know, there's like, this sexual tension, It's some kind of kinky thing, but really, for me, the rope was symbolic of, like, these two entities, and so, you know, um, Nikolai, one of the, the guys in the piece, he was, like, representing unworthiness to me, and this, like, entity, the inner demon of unworthiness, and then Kehlani was, um, was, like, the inner entity of, like, ego, and so, you know, I'm like, okay, I need this to be entertaining for the audience. I want them to see something that translates and is, like, simple in nature. But then, for me, the selfish as- aspect of the piece is, like, what am I What am I alchemizing through this piece mm. that makes it therapeutic and highly personal to me, but then allows me to bring a different energetic quality, like a depth, into my presence on stage? Um... Yeah. What about you, Lily Loka? How has Billis changed your relationship with yourself slash (laughs) life?
2: Um, yeah, so I can probably talk about it from two ways. And, you know, I think it's really, you know, um, we, before we started the podcast, we did a little grounding ceremony. (laughs) and It was really beautiful. And sort of my intention was authenticity. So, um, and true, uh, transparency and authenticity. Um, burlesque in terms of my relationship with my body probably actually did worse for me Mm -hmm. than better and the reasons being is because I've always had a certain amount of body dysmorphia Um, and that's from coming from when I started I was um, I had anorexia, uh, anorexia nervosa when I was in my early 20s and that's when I started burlesque Um, right up until sort of my mid early no so late teens to early 20s and it got to a point where I just kept collapsing and um, I had to seek therapy and but I instead of getting out of that I started eating but then I went into bulimia instead so with burlesque because it was so much about the way that I was taught it was more about the storefront you know, like the shop window and how people looked at you and when you've already got dysmorphia about yourself then putting an added layer of knowing, even though it's your own internal perception of what you perceive others to perceive, you know, like it's like looking in the I, and still to this day, I can't separate that Mm -hmm. and it's been a real struggle and so I've always slimmed down, you know I've when I stepped away from burlesque and performing at the beginning of this year, it was the biggest relief for me. Mm. Because not only I was just like, I'm done trying to conform. And this is the thing, you know, as Kiki said, and rightly so, burlesque is inclusive and it is diverse. And I love that we're seeing all these beautiful bodies and people and mm. ethnicities coming through. And that's great. And that's all well and good. But the way that you perceive and identify yourself in your own head, Mm -hmm. nothing is going to change that. And I have my own deep-seated perception as to how I want to look and how I feel like I should look. And being on stage only just put a magnifying magnifying glass glass on that. So for me, personally, I can say that burlesque did not help. Mm. Um, The only time that I felt beautiful and really in my power... Was when I performed when I was three months pregnant, mm-hmm. and I felt like a fucking goddess mm-hmm. because no longer was I afraid I had this beautiful little baby bump, mm-hmm. and I was like, Look at what my body is doing. I mm-hmm. feel like a fucking goddess like mm-hmm. and I had no if anything, that was the first time on stage that I felt truly beautiful, mm-hmm. but every time you know I come from a performance background, so But with theatre, it's not about how you look. It's all about the characterisation. And that's probably why I've leant into that so much and why I lean into drag and all of those kind of character things because it gets me out of my head and puts me into a character's head where I'm not even thinking about that. That doesn't even come into the equation. When I do what's really hard for me is doing classic burlesque where I know that people are staring, looking at me. And we're all human. (laughs) We all look. You know, We're all going to have our thoughts about someone's body or the way that you know the gaze or whatever but my view on myself is 10 times worse than what people perceive and I'm not sitting there thinking people are going oh my god look at her like tiny itty bitty boobies or whatever it's more my own mirroring myself and thinking oh man like you know, especially if I'm ovulating or something and I'm holding extra water and I feel really uncomfortable in my clothes and then I have to go out and pretend that I feel really confident and I can do that. But yeah, so body-wise, not the best thing for me. However, (laughs) I've always looked at my, and as Kiki um, said, you know, it is burlesque is as a solo performer is your own creative endeavor and I've always seen burlesque and performances therapy Mm -hmm. and it has been really beautiful for me to be able to bring those little aspects and like I was trained in the school of um Stanislavski and one of the big things that we do and it's basically about authenticity and bringing learnt life experiences into your acts so you use emotional memory, so you think about, like, if your your particular act has a real solemn attitude to it, or something, then you think about a time in your life where you meditate on it, and you sit, and you remember the memory of when you felt that thing, like, think about how it feels in your body, think about key words, think about sense, where were you at that time, so that then, when you're on stage, you can draw from that, and it's not necessarily that the audience are going to know that memory. Of course they're not. Unless you're, like, playing it out on cards. But they will feel what you feel because it's authentic and you feel it within you and you are generating that vibe. That energy. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, like, kind of, like, you're actually probably the one of the... Like, I love escaping into my characters because that gives me such joy. And yeah. I'm a campy... Simple character, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, and that really harnesses to my theatrical roots, which I love, and that shit, like, I, uh, it's just, like, amazing, um, and I love making people laugh, you oh, know, right. um, but I also love really channeling intense emotion, and, like, one of my acts, which I did, which was really liberating for me, was to, um, and Alanis sets <laughs> Uninvited. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, it's the Alanis Morissette oh. one, because, oh, oh my gosh. god, I did really I was cried. in the audience with you, I did cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, I did <really> cry. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, so, uh, for those that weren't there, so about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, basically, was one, it was a one-time thing. <laughs> yeah. I've only performed it twice, oh, and twice. Um, <laughs> I performed it first down in Christchurch as part of a mental health um, show, and it was just so incredible, but I performed it again... Right after we got out of lockdown, Lockdown, and um and basically I end up pretty much stark naked, um and have words written over me. Um, and what does the word say? Um,
1: With a U string, with a U (laughs) string,
2: but it was like a yeah a a soft one, not one that stuck at my butt. Um, (laughs) And um yeah, basically it was all about like taking back my power after trauma, sexual trauma from my past, and it was about really learning to own my power, even this far on from when it happened and being unemployed, and I felt really beautiful in that moment too, because I was like I have nothing to hide, and I feel like I was, and I'm very grateful to be given that space to be able to put something as raw, raw, Mm -hmm. yeah Um, it was raw
1: like we all felt your energy I I was in the audience and I have goosebumps right now <laughs> just
2: thinking about it yeah. um but yeah but then yeah I guess the the takeaway from all of that is that <laughs> burlesque is so personal and you know we can we can I'd love to say that it was great for my, and it, it was in a sense like a, it was great to what was great for me is seeing the diversity of other bodies and seeing mm-hmm. other bodies that were like mine, and it's not like I would stand backstage and be like, oh, her. And I've never ever judged anyone else. All I judged, I, I love seeing, I fucking love bodies. It was all me and internalizing me and dealing with my own dysmorphia. So I never compared. It was all just me comparing myself to myself mm-hmm. all the time. And then when I would see stage, oh my God, that's my... Okay, um, Peter Jennings, amazing photographer. But gosh darn, you could get some stage photos where you're like, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You chose <laughs> that <laughs> like, one? And then it just feeds into the dysmorphia more where you're like,
1: motherfucker. Like, <laughs> okay, this is why there is no photos allowed at burlesque shows. Exactly. Because <laughs> honestly, the worst photos happen at burlesque shows the the amount of times i have had photos back and i have one boob literally hitting me a pasty literally hitting me in the eye and my boobs one one direction and then the other one's touching my belly button because i'm mid-swing oh my god yeah there is a reason why there's no photos allowed at burlesque shows
0: yes Andy Crown was such oh. a delightful exception <laughs> who photographed one of our seasons of Pop Burlesque. so yeah.
2: fucking good I wasn't there then. Oh, either. true. And again, COVID. Oh. Yes. yes. Or I was yes. a... Or yes. Yeah. 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 Really COVID. Because they were fucking stunning. Yeah. Like, they were there. healing,
0: right? They yeah. were like, oh, okay, I totally understand. I've had so many of those photos who were like, yikes. <laughs>
2: Anyway. <laughs> sorry they got really heavy yeah. anyway. no, thank no, you for I'm, allowing the space for us to I'm, on. I'm
0: deeply grateful that you shared um, so honestly both of you about your journeys of you know your relationship to your body through the journey of burlesque I think that that's so powerful I I think that we can think of say burlesque or pole dancing or these things that kind of have the label of female empowerment over them as sometimes like the perfect journey to liberation and i think it's so so valuable to just um be able to feel the nuance like in this conversation of like hey there's also complexities that can come up with the body and i i know i felt that there were things that you were you know bringing up to the surface for me in that where i was like wow okay yeah i i can actually see the point at which it was so liberating for me in terms of my body and my sexuality and then I can also see the moments where I'm like wow okay now I'm feeling pressure with the burlesque identity or being on stage Mm -hmm. you know coming into my 30s um you know being in my 30s coming into my like near the mid of my 30s and being like wow okay now there's this pressure to maintain like the youth the body like my boobs are dropping Mm -hmm. more and more every year right and I get more cellulite in my body and and I experience the same thing where I I can see that and wholeheartedly celebrate that on other people's bodies. Mm. And I also notice where I've developed—I've developed an artistic identity mm. um, that sits a little bit outside of like my truest self. Even though there are very authentic ingredients inside of that, they're like exaggerated, and there is like a an egoic part to that identity that's very necessary for me to get my shy, introverted ass up on stage, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so I can see, like, she, she is like, okay, gotta get that Botox, got to get them lip fillers, got to get that boob job, right? Yeah. I guess
1: at the end of the day, burlesque is a very Mm appearance-driven industry. I have totally felt that. Like, I have recently lost a lot of weight, um, whereas I was, you know, I started burlesque to celebrate that weight, and now my body is changing, and I've lost a lot of weight, and there are a lot of, photos and moments where I have looked at because of course I've been in burlesque for so long I have a lot of half naked photos of myself (laughs) and now you know now that I've lost a bit of weight I am being a lot more um I'm critiquing my body a lot more I'm noticing my bones in certain places sticking out a lot more through my hips and through my chest around my collarbone more than they used to because I have all these half naked photos of myself I find myself being critical of my past self and it's yeah it's a for like our bodies do change and um I think self-love is a a forever journey it's there's never an end point to it Mm. but I definitely think burlesque has helped on that journey not necessarily been a um a fixer or um even a band-aid but something that has has certainly helped her with that journey and continuing the self-love journey in our bodies and in our own skin, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. So I wonder if there's anything that either of you want to share, kind of in closing, some final burlesque-related wisdom that maybe is feeling left unsaid in our conversation so far.
1: If in doubt, shimmy.
2: <laughs> hey, tits and teeth! <laughs> tits and teeth, Yeah. <laughs>
1: Those are kind of the our live by tits Maybe and much. teeth. Yeah. Yep. Bump and grind your way through it, baby. You know? yeah.
2: yeah. Remember that the audience has no idea if you fucked up. Unless yeah. You show that you fucked up. So, tits and teeth, T- tick stick your tits out. Yeah. You give it a smile and be like,
1: yeah. Yeah. And if in doubt, just shimmy the house down boots. Yes, yeah. God. Yeah. Snap. <laughs> <laughs> um.
2: Yeah. And I guess, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, yeah, tease, tease, and a bit more tease. Like, one of the most sexy um, and most engaging burlesque acts I saw when I was, it was at uh, Venus Star's um, Carousel Cabaret down in Wellington, um, all, God, years and years and years ago. Yeah, it's like Um, years ago. But I watched this artist, and for five whole minutes, all she did was take off one glove. And it wasn't even an opera glove. It was like a shorthand at the wrist Michael glove. Jackson glove. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the sexiest thing. And it's burnt into my retinas. Like, I just... I remember just being... She just... This artist just absolutely encapsulated what burlesque was. And it was the tease and the tease and the eking and the milking and the... oh And the, you know, it's that ride of anticipation, you know? Mm. Like, it's this... Oh, yeah. beautiful. Oh. It was fucking great. And so, like, I always used to talk to my um, students about this. I was like, tease, 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 tease. Like, you've got to eke
1: it. You've got to milk it for as much as you, it's what it's worth. Um, yeah, I think two pinnacle performances that have burned into my retina, there's two. There's um, the first time I saw Pixie Twist perform, um, where she spent less than $100 on her costume and created this wacky act covering herself with goon red wine goon goddess goddess, and she won all of these accolades so like you don't need to invest thousands of dollars in feathers and rhinestones and glitter and stuff like you know seeing her succeed with this hundred dollar costume I thought was very kind of like life changing for me within the burlesque journey and then another one was um, seeing Nocturnus perform for the first time at New Zealand Burlesque Festival I think it was Um, with her white rabbit act and just seeing how alternative burlesque can be because up until that point I'd been doing pretty cheesecakey stuff Mm. because I mean (laughs) that's where everyone I think starts so like yeah I guess my if anyone wants to do burlesque you know um, like honestly look so much stuff online and there is nothing too weird or too outside the box you are not too big too old to the wrong colour, the wrong sex the wrong sexuality, the wrong gender You're, you know, it, burlesque is very inclusive and you can really do anything with it and it's such a it is performance art like you say, like it mm. you know, performance art that includes striptease and it can be, a, like Lily said, it can be a single glove mm. um, it doesn't have to be, it can be anything you want it to be and yeah I think that's what burlesque is I it is yeah. so yeah
2: the best way that i like to describe burlesque and i kind of got it down to this one liner um was burlesque because oh, about the whole stripping this is thing.
1: do you know what i thought you were gonna say what i thought you were gonna say burlesque it's not the movie <laughs> it's not the movie yeah. it's not the
2: motherfucker movie great movie the title cabaret hadn't been taken yeah, yeah, it could have yeah. just been called cabaret and it was already taken so they were like I,
1: I honestly thought that's what you were gonna say
2: um i love that <laughs> that yeah very valid um but when i tried to talk to my students about like the the subtleties between the difference between burlesque and stripping obviously the the audience who go like the venues or wherever you go, like the intention behind what you're doing is different. Um, but the way that I like to describe it is burlesque is about stripping is about what you do take off and burlesque is about what you don't. Mm -hmm. So there's that aspect of the tease element. You should never reveal too much too quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really comes down to that quintessential, like teasing element. Um, it's, like, a big thing if you reveal, unless it's really getting in the way, like, your biggest costume piece should be one of the last pieces to go because then you're, you, the audience can see so much more of you, you know, unless unless it's a hindrance and you have to take everything else off. But, like, if you take everything off too quickly in the beginning and you're just standing there and pacing in the G-string for, like, four minutes, it's like you've lost you've lost the journey of the tease. It's all happened too quickly. You haven't eked it out enough. So,
1: yeah. yeah. I think that's what a big difference between Australasian burlesque and American burlesque is too. Mm -hmm. American burlesque does specify a lot on doing lots of, like the striptease is only maybe 50% of it and then 50% of it is them dancing in pasties or in G-strings and doing all these tricks and stuff. You know, not all the time, but it's what, you know, what I found a lot of classic burlesque in America is about, whereas in Australasia... It's very more narrative-driven. It's very... It's got a storyline. Like, there is a lot more tease involved. Like, pasties aren't really introduced until, like, the last minute or 30 seconds of the piece. Whereas, I find the ratio being a little different over in America, where it's more 50%, 50%. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. It is definitely about the tease, though.
0: Oh, I've loved this, my darlings. Honestly, I have had moments... Throughout this conversation, where I've just felt, you know, when you kind of just are so present and you like semi transcend your body, and I was just looking at each of you just in such awe. I was like, oh. "Wow, my friends are lit." <laughs>
2: You're so eloquent with your yeah, words. you are. <laughs> so like gentle and like <laughs> yeah, <nuanced. laughs> That from a real place of like soul and genuine, like, genuine, genuine yeah. gen, gen, I, I was about to say genuosity <laughs> <exactly> <laughs> <for the way. laughs> to make it one yeah <laughs> sure. genuosity
1: genuosity yeah
2: so
0: i can only imagine that there will be people listening that want to connect with you both is there anything that you want to plug or how can people hang with you online or in person
1: um online on all social medias i'm at kiki nz pretty much everywhere facebook instagram kiki kisses nz kiki kisses, kiki. kiki kisses nz what did i say kiki nz oh. <laughs> <laughs> kiki kisses nz um pretty much everywhere on facebook uh, instagram etc i'm also a wedding celebrant um i and my website is www.kiki kisses.net you yeah
2: um, yeah, I'm really only on Instagram. Um, so you can catch me at NatHugle Creative, but you can also look me up at NatHugel.com.
0: Yay! Yay! Amazing babes, thank you so much for making this glorious, glamorous creation with me. Thanks for choosing oh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 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 Thanks for tuning in everyone. See you next Wednesday. Mwah! Mwah! You.
1: Kisses!